Last week I looked at a, a parable that uh, Jesus told about the king who had a wedding feast and he invited everyone to come. And at the end of it Jesus said, um, many are called but few are chosen. But as you read through the context of that whole story, it was more like everyone's called but few actually choose. Few people actually choose to come to Christ. But we are amongst those who have chosen that today. Um, there may be some out there today that are, are listening that actually you haven't chosen Christ yet, but the thing is that God chose you already in Christ Jesus. What he's looking for now is that response to that call. And I, and I just sort of mentioned a little bit about how uh, we often get this call of God. You know, once we're Christians, we're like, well, I want to know what you want me to do, God. It's... Um, you know, there must be something big for me to do, and if it's not big, then it's not important. And just trying to encourage us to think differently to that, that when God calls us, there's so many different things that he calls us to. I would love if I could um, have during the week or whatever, people come to me, ring me up, whatever it might be, come and talk to me about what God has actually called you to, because it's not always in the church. We're all called to obviously help in the church. We're called to serve one another, and if you're not serving the body in some way you're actually falling short of what God has actually called you to so there's plenty of opportunities to do that but but there's even other things that that we do in life that we know God has called us to um, my wife Joanne I'd love her to get up and say what she does but she's a bit shy sometimes but you know we were talking about that calling of God and and she talked about her job at the early learning center that she works at and her call, she said, was to make sure that those children felt love. Because there's kids that come in that, you know, don't have the best family life or home life that, that you know of. Um, you know, mum and dad are splitting up and they're just so tiny and little. But to just think, in her heart, she's like, God has called me to love those kids. But this isn't a love that, that is just, you know, a worldly love. There's this deep connection that Joe has with that call of God in her life. It's something deep and it's something meaningful. And, and you know, every single one of us, we should have, well, really our whole life, but certainly that part of our life where we know that God has called me to something. He's called me to love. He's called me to care. He's called me to be in peace. And I wonder what that is for you because, you know, so often we, uh, because we're associating, <laughs> hello, Tobias, good job, he's called to preach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how you worship. <laughs> Lift your hands. <laughs> <laughs> well done <laughs> it's great to have attentive parents hey? <laughs> um, <laughs> no but there's this, this call on our life that, that God has for us and this morning I just wanted to, about, to talk about being prepared or ready for use by the master all right, because we can often get caught up in the what am I going to do thing, but what about the preparation and, 
And as we're singing today, we're singing about, you know, the God of David, the God of Moses, God of Mary and, and people like that. And it's like, what marked their life that God would want to use them? Moses said of himself, I'm the most humble man on earth. So he had humility. Um, Mary, was, Mary was humble as well and obedient to God. Um, Noah, when he built the ark, you know, God had a, a job for him and, and the Bible says the only righteous man on earth was Noah. But there seemed to be something about most of the people's lives that we look at that they got themselves ready to be used by the master for whatever work it is. And I just wanted to speak into that today for us and um, just about hearing God and his voice. But, you know, that the first call that we have is to actually get ready. Get ready for the master's use. We all, well, we all hopefully want to be used by God in some way um, and and for God to do something through us and for us to glorify God because that is the biggest call in our life is that we bring God glory on this earth. We have this opportunity while sin abounds to actually bring glory to God um, to show the world around us that God is real, God is true, that, that the change that happens in our life is so marked. And just even about hearing that voice, it's sometimes not a nice thing to hear that we have to change, right? Does anyone like it when someone points out, hey, you need a change? Um, I certainly don't. <laughs> but at the same time, I know, like when I read through the Bible, sometimes the word of God cuts me so deeply, it hurts, but it's a good hurt. It's a wound to heal. It's like, you need to do something about what's happening in your life right now. And I love what Ben was talking about this morning, that when we look at that in terms of our own life, it's not this one-off big change, everything's perfect in my life, I received Jesus and now I never sin again. You know, I never have a selfish motive ever again, it's all gone. But while we're on earth, that's what we battle. And what is so exciting about that is that we are making a choice here while sin still abounds in the world, while we still struggle a little bit about that, we've made the choice to follow God. So we know for certain, we can be secure that we are going to heaven because we are choosing God right now. Because once we're in heaven, we're not going to have that opposition. We're not going to be fighting against sin or anything anymore. You know, that, that worshipping God and making that choice for him, there's not really opposition to it. But we make that choice here right now. That's a choice that we make right now. And we choose to do it because we know the love of God and we know that, that he has sent his son Jesus to die for my sin. And we choose that, we choose to obey, we choose to worship despite circumstance. And that is an amazing thing. But also there are some that choose not to follow even though they've received Jesus. And that's a very dangerous place to be. To, to, like we, we talked last week in that parable, the guy that ended up at the feast and he was wearing the wrong clothes, he hadn't changed anything. He got to the wedding feast, but he still had this dirty clothes on and you're like, what? What are you doing at this wedding? And the challenge to us was very much about get your life right. Don't, don't come to Jesus and stay the same. Don't come to Jesus and stay in your selfishness. And Jesus said it himself, if you want to be my disciple, you have to give up your selfish ways. Stop being about you and start thinking about the kingdom, about God and those things. And I was thinking about, you know, how we can be disobedient 
in hearing. And I don't know if any of you guys uh, used to go swimming in a pool and your mum and dad are there and, you know, you're <laughs> it's like time to go home. As a kid, what do you do? Mum and dad come out to yell at you, it's time to get out of the pool. Guess where your head goes? <laughs> under the water, right? Yeah. It's like mum and dad are coming under the water. And you come up, quick breath, under the water. They can't tell me to get out of the pool if I'm not, you know, if there's a barrier there. But as parents, you actually get very good at like washing their head and you're like, Neil, time <laughs> to get out of the pool. And so the message comes across, <laughs> but you don't want to hear it. And I wonder how sometimes we do that with God. It's like, you got a message for me, God, but I'm under the water. I'm not listening. But we know that God is calling us. And so what I want to encourage you today is find yourself in this place where you are ready and preparing yourself to be used by God. So let's have a look at our uh, first verse. What do we got first? What is it? Second Timothy, yeah, chapter 2. About being a pro- an approved worker and, and getting yourself ready for him. So starting in verse, uh, verse 19, 20, 20. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. The cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure... You will be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Jesus talked to the Pharisees quite harshly one day and, you know, they were very proud of how clean the outside was in their life. So he, he said to them, Guys, I want you to think about something. You guys are really, really careful to clean the outside of the vessel, but on the inside it's dirty. I know exactly what he means by that. I remember grabbing a coffee cup one day, it looked great, wonderful, put it down, pour my coffee, and there's a cockroach in it. (laughs) That's not real nice. Um, but, But Jesus was saying to them, guys... There's a lot of things you can do on the outside to look like you're clean. But there's something I want you to do. There's something I want you to think about. What's happening on the inside of your heart? You see, we look at the Ten Commandments, for example, and we look at them and we're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, don't steal, don't murder. Um, Don't do those sorts of things. And and they're very easy, aren't they? They're, they're, They're sort of easy commandments to keep right would you agree or not like it's easy not to murder someone that's you know (laughs) but then it says you know honor your father and mother it says things like you know watch the stuff on the inside don't be envious of your neighbor now, we can easily look at those outside things, the, the big things that everyone can see, and it's like really, really easy to act certain ways and fool everyone. Wow, they are so amazing. Look at them on the outside. They're very clean. But, but what does purity mean? It doesn't mean that, you know, on the outside we look good, but it's like 
when you say to your friend, your neighbour, your boss, oh, how are you going? It's really good to see you, but inside your heart's like, I hate you. <laughs> I, don't, I wish you would just get lost. Have you ever been that fake? I bet you have. I bet you I have. That inside of you, there's still this, you know, anger, this bitterness. You're, you're kind on the outside, you're, you're warm and fuzzy to them. Oh, I hate going, but on the inside, I hate that person. And then the very next breath, you're talking about it to someone else. Oh, how are you going? Oh, I really hate her. She's a cow. <laughs> I bet that's happened to you in some way, shape or form in your life, that, that on the outside you act like everything's good, everything's well, everything's great, and, and maybe even it's here at church, you know, you're, oh God, you're so amazing, you're so beautiful. And, and um, James talks about it in, in his book in the Bible, and he says, you know, you can't have bitter water and sweet water coming out of the same spring. In one breath you're praising God, in the other breath you're cursing your neighbour. What's going on with you? Can't you see that, that when you actually really know God, the, the spring becomes pure? You actually got to this source of purity that you can, you can hold on to? That, you know, and, and the analogy of, you know, the fruit and the root being the same, the, the tree, the strength that you're coming is from God. And, and so here we come to this point. Of this passage we just read out, and we're going to read a little bit more of how we can actually do that, how we can get to that place of preparing ourselves for God. Because the challenge here is hey, guys, in a house, there's many vessels, there's wood, there's clay, there's silver, there's gold. But if you want to be used for a special purpose, if you don't want to be the potty and you want to be this fine vessel that carries the sweetest wine, you prepare yourself. You get yourself ready. Where do you really want to be with God? Where, where is it that you want to sit? Do you want to be that fine vessel or do you want to be that one that's used for dishonour? This is not God's choice. He chooses us. He calls us. But what he says for us to do is get yourself ready. If you're honest about whether you want to be used by God or not, Get yourself ready. Purify your heart. Cleanse your hands. Get yourself ready. And so that is a job that we have as Christians. You're like, well, yeah, but, you know, God's forgiven my sin. Yeah, he has. But don't take that as a joke. Don't go around living your life because you know that Jesus has forgiven your sin and think, well, I'll just keep on sinning. I'll just keep doing the wrong thing. It's okay, God loves me and, you know, I just want to be used by God. It just doesn't work that way. God says it very plainly. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap death and corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life. And so for us as Christians, we're the ones who are making this choice. God is not choosing whether or not we follow after the spirit. We are. God's not choosing whether or not we follow after the flesh. We are, but in that he gives us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and help us so that we can actually overcome it, that we can actually live this righteous and even holy life. Someone said it this morning, we aim for perfect. 
We don't get there. We're not disappointed in, in the way that we like, so discouraged we're just giving up on faith because I didn't get there because we do understand the grace of God. It's there to empower us to be more than what we are by ourselves. It's actually the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of us. And so all those things that are in our life that aren't purified, we are purified through the blood of Jesus Christ in God's sight, but then there's still this... This call for us to actually make ourselves vessels ready for use. I want to be used by God, but I'm going to swim under the water. I'm not going to listen and I'm going to be disobedient to what he says. And that was the only point of me going under the water, is so that I was passively disobeying. (laughs) I knew what was coming, but I didn't want to hear it. So let's have a look at uh, 2 Peter now. Sorry, 1 Peter. 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11. That's right, it is 2 Peter. Growing in faith. Because this is what we need to do to get that outcome. And, and again, Ben, thank you for your communion, the as usual. That's part of this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So here we are. The first part of this is we have a power from God. We have a divine power from God. And he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So we're not lacking in resource to be obedient to Christ. Okay? We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Here is another key for our change. We are not who we used to be. We have been given the divine nature. We share in what Jesus had when we come to him and when we, we give ourselves completely to him. What does the Bible say? That anyone who comes to Christ, they are a new creature. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And so we can actually overcome our human desires. We are not trapped by sin anymore. This is really important. In view of this, because you are free from sin, you are no longer slaves. Make every effort to respond to what? God's promises. So here again, who's responding? Us. God's given it. God said, I've laid the table out before you. Here is the feast ready. Are you responding to me? So supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard, work hard, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. 
So through all this, we see that there's this effort that we're making to supplement what we started with. You started with faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. And then he says, now what I want you to do is to add to that something called moral excellence. What I want you to do is go, you know what? I now belong to Jesus Christ. My life must change. My morals must change. The way I live must change. And now I'm going to line up with what God says is good, true and right, despite what I've been doing in my life before. So you're adding that with knowledge. You add the knowledge of Christ, what he's done. And then you add self-control. I don't like that word. Wouldn't it be much easier if it was God control, if he just constrained me and every time I wanted to act the way he didn't want me to do, he just bound me up and I couldn't do it? Now he's saying, I want you to take responsibility. Stop saying that you couldn't help it. Stop saying that I I lacked the self-control. Self-control is listed as a fruit of the Spirit, something that God has given you that, that comes out of that fellowship with Christ. When we take the time to fellowship with him, when we take the time to read the Word and pray, this is a spiritual gift that's given to us, a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is self-control. Now, the good thing about that is that I am actually free when I control myself. When you're in prison because you have robbed houses, you don't rob houses. Is that right? I'm I'm presuming they don't have like a little town set up in prison so you can practice (laughs) going through robbing houses. And this is the freedom that God's called us to. I'm not doing the bad stuff because someone's stopping me. I'm not doing the bad stuff because my life has changed. Because what will happen is if my heart hasn't changed, as soon as I get out those prison doors, I'm looking for that first house. The first time I have opportunity. And so it is with God, with us, it's like, He could control us. You know, people ask that question, well, why doesn't God do something? He could do something. He did it with the flood. He wiped out the whole world. Is that what we want? He could do something right now. Every time you sin, he could bind you up or make you not sin. He could make us all robots programmed to, to just do whatever. But true freedom comes in true restraint of self. When I have purpose in my heart that I'm going to please God and live in a holy way, that is when I am truly free. Because I'm not fighting it anymore, I'm giving in. Self-control with patient endurance. So there's times when you're going through things that, that, that are hard, but you've got to patiently endure them. Okay, I trust you, God. Despite what I see, I believe in you that the things of this earth are temporary. They're subject to change. But the things that are eternal are forever. So I'm believing in your promises. With that, yeah, godliness, and and godliness is more than just that doing the right thing. Godliness is where suddenly your heart is changing to be like him. To be like the one who gave his son because he so loved the world. And so as we're starting to get to that place, we start to have affection for one another, brotherly affection. Well, actually, I do actually care about you now. I do actually 
want the best for you now. I have this affection that my heart suddenly becomes warm towards people. Starts back with faith. I believe this can happen. But now I'm walking this journey. I'm getting myself ready so I could be used by God. And, and the more you grow, you, you, you even then move on from brotherly affection. So do the people you know, you're affectionate with, but suddenly it comes to this place of love for everyone. I love that person, even though they did me wrong. They're not in my family either. But I love everyone. And if you don't develop in this way, if, if you're not growing in this way, God's saying, you've forgotten. You've forgotten something very important. You've been forgiven of your sin. You've been cleansed from your old sin. It, it's past. It's gone away. It's not binding you anymore. You can be this new person. And then it's like, Work really hard to prove it, to show the world that you are actually chosen by God. You're called by him. And this is an amazing blessing. Think about this. If you do those things, you will never fall away. Never. I don't know about you, but I want my Christian life to be that way. Is that, you know, from, from the moment I became a Christian to the day I die, that I have never been unfaithful to God. I've never fallen away. I've never gone away from Him. And it is actually possible. You know, like sometimes people have said, oh yeah, everyone, you know, they have that time, they fall away. No, they don't. They don't even have to. Because, but, but you will fall away from God if you just start with faith and leave it there. Because our job is to actually add to these things. We're adding to our faith. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for everyone. Day by day, we're growing. You are not a perfect Christian the day you get saved. But you are moving towards that as you make a choice every day to move that extra step towards him and the end result is that when you get to heaven the eternal kingdom of the lord jesus saviors there's going to be this amazing entrance in where it's a celebration of everything you've done the things that you've done for god the the works that you've done on this earth that are eternal that stand forever and there's another verse in in corinthians that talks about there are some it talks about that we've got works in our lives that are either gold, silver, wood, hay or stubble. That we do works on this earth, but the ones that are gold, the ones that are silver, the ones that are precious, that are eternal, they're the things that we do for God when we're living for Him. The works that we do out of love, the works that we do out of a godly character, that they're established in our life and we enter into heaven with those works. But then there's a whole lot of other things we do for self, for selfish motive, for, for all those sorts of things. And, and it says, you know, there's some going to be entering into heaven and they've lived their life for God. They've given themselves to God. They've decided that they are going to be dedicated to living for him and showing his glory on earth. They're welcomed in with this amazing entrance into glory. But then it talks about others that enter heaven with nothing. They're there, but I don't even know if their clothes are still on them because as they pass through the fire, everything that they did 
outside of God gets burnt up. They're saved, but it's not a glorious entrance. I don't know about you, but I look at me and I'm like, God, what is it that's going to be burnt up? What is it that's going to be eternal? I'm pretty sure it's going to be a bit of both in my life, just like yours, but the good thing is that the things I actually do for the love of God, to show his glory, to spread the message of the gospel, those works are like gold and silver and they will remain. And I'm really actually quite glad that the rest of the stuff gets burnt up because it's irrelevant to eternity. But wouldn't it be a tragedy if you have given your life to God but you've never progressed from faith and everything else you did on this life didn't count for eternity. Let's make that commitment, guys. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's, let's think about these verses during the week. Let's get ready for God's use because we want him to use us, don't we? We want him to use us. Now, it may be this morning that as I've been talking, you have never even considered Christ at all. Let me tell you right now, there is no better time than right now to give your life to him. You know you need him. You know you're empty. You know you feel bad from the weight of sin on your life. And you actually really want a saviour. This morning, I'm just going to offer this opportunity for you to make a decision to follow after him. I'm just going to pray, and just if that's you this morning, just pray with me, and then you have a chat with who you came with. If you didn't come with anyone, come and talk with me afterwards. I'll be hanging around the front for a little bit. Just say, I've, I've given my life to Jesus. I want to start there. I want to get rid of this sin. I know I need Jesus. If that's you this morning, you pray with me right now and we'll, we'll invite him into your life. Father God, I am so sorry that I haven't given my life to you before. Today, I want to give it. From this day on, I want to live for you. Father, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me righteous. Make me holy so that I can live for you, that I might enter into glory with gold and silver, Lord God, the things that last. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for me, that he rose again from the grave so that I could do the same, that I can live